0: This is Ursula Castrat and we're again in another episode of LSD, the podcast about Susie Dyson's life. Hi, Susie. How are you?
1: Hi, Ursula. Delighted to be in
0: contact again. It's always such a thrill.
1: You're such a professional.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. Mm. So we have decided that in this episode, we're going to talk about how you were discovered in Marbella and your first shoot in Vogue magazine when you were like 16, 17? 16. <laughs> no older than 16. Had a real kid. So why were you in Marbella?
1: Oh, oh well, we went, we went to Marbella because um, my mother had decided that was a place where she had had the best time of her life when she was young uh, because they lived in various cities in Europe and then ended up in Malaga. And so she wanted a place near Malaga where she's actually buried now, and my father is too. So we looked around the coast. At that time, imagine. Torremolinos had one hotel, El Pez Espada. That was the only hotel in Torremolinos. Imagine. And then we went up the coast, and then my mother decided, this is the place I want to live. And so we built a house there, my father. How old were so you? I, I must have been 15 when we did that. And then we started building the house, and my, my, my father and my mother made contact with the houses next door, and it was it belonged to a very, very fascinating uh, antique collector and a friend of various artists in Spain. Um, so we rented the the house next door. It was a terrific house, I must say, fantastic, it was such fun. So
0: that's why we that's why I was living in Marbella. You know and then is where you meet the Condesa Romanones, Eileen Yeah, okay. And I meet the
1: Condesa Romanones because when I tell my cousin, Frank Griffiths, who's a darling person that I adore, I said to him, I'm going to live in Marbella. And so he wrote a letter of introduction to this countess who he had known for many years in Madrid because he went to live in Madrid. He went to study in Madrid and he had the good fortune of coming across Luis, the second son of La Condesa Romanones, And so he knew very, very well. And it was a fantastic family, of course, to meet. So he sent me with a letter. Imagine at that time we still wrote letters, of course. <laughs> and I had gone to Marbella, inviting a friend of mine, Lota Bodeños, to come and stay. And off we toddled off, the two of us. You know, she was a very pretty blonde with blue eyes, and there was I with this, you know dark eyes and long hair to my waist. And off we toddled to the house of Eileen Romanones and rang the doorbell. Beautiful white, huge white wall with a big white door, and this very chic. Uh, more the butler came to the door with white gloves and everything, and he, you know, said, Can I help you in Spanish? Of course. And so, we, I just handed him the letter and said, Can you, is, is La Condesa there? And he he said, Yes. So, I handed him the letter, could you please hand it to her? And he did. And she immediately sent us, you know, sent, sent the butler to let us in. And then we never left (laughs) (laughs) because, (laughs) well, he, she had three. Very handsome, wonderful sons, Alvaro the eldest, Luis the second, and Miguel the third. They were all terrific fun, you know. And so, I mean, after that, even Lota went to live in Spain to that extent. She never let go of the family, but uh, we had a wonderful introduction and the house was amazing. It was a, I reckon that the developer of that area had invited her to come and build a house there. Which he did, because also in the, in the golf club, the, the Los Monteros had a, had a beach club, hotel, small hotel at that time. And then it also had a very nice golf club. And in the golf club, they gave Deborah Carr, a very famous British actress, and Peter Fertel, her husband, a little house you literally had to walk across the green to get to. It was a cute little typical Spanish house that they left there. And they gave it to them to, to live in. It was a fabulous experience. I was often invited to lunch at, at Deborah's house. It was a wonderful relationship. We started off there. And later continued in Closet, I tell you. That's another story.
0: So with Eileen being the Madrid editor of, of American Vogue, she discovered you in a way. Maybe she saw you and she was like, I'm going to make her a model. Or she is a model already. Like, I just have to call Henry and make pictures of her. What do you think <laughs> was going on her mind when she saw you? It certainly must have sparked an idea because she
1: proposed to American Vogue that they should cover the new designers of Madrid that were coming out. And so the proposal was interesting to cover for American Vogue, and who chose Susan Train to be the editor because she lived in Paris. Was, at that time, it was basically only American Vogue and French Vogue that existed. And everybody used to run to the, to, to the stands to buy these, these magazines to see who is in it. And 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 what was his proposal of fashion and stuff, you know, it's very interesting. I mean, and the Italian boat came later, but, but it was a, a fascinating um, thing. And I think that as she saw me, you know, long and lanky and thin and rather good looking, uh, and she decided, well, I'll... I'll proposes and if they accept i'll see what i can do to wangle her in you know because she said to me would would you like to do this shoot she said because it's a spanish thing and i said but i'm not spanish i my name is is hopeless you know Susie dyson's totally english she said no no don't worry about that (laughs) (laughs) because you know she had this really good looking model in front of her Uh, possibility of a model at least you know and so she said, no, no, don't worry about that. Because the thing is that, you know, I can't use the Spanish girls, the Domex and all of these social eyes, because they all have blonde hair and blue eyes. And so that's sort of no use to me at all, you see.
0: Yeah.
1: And so she chose another girl who also had dark hair, a Spanish look, you know? You were yeah.
0: like an Ali McGraw, I would say. Yeah, I guess so, if you want to. Yeah. yeah, you that's had that look. You had that look. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that colors, you know, like the hair, the the eyes. So she told you about the, the shoot that first time you met or was it later?
1: No, it was later. It was later because she obviously, after meeting me, she took her time, you know, proposing. These things don't come overnight. And when they accepted, then she didn't waste any time in convincing me. Now, I didn't take much convincing either because, I mean my mother's favorite magazine and the only magazines that were in the house were I, my father had, had national geographic and my mother had vogue american vogue so i mean that's the the magazine i used to look at at home and so of course just the idea of coming out in american vogue was like what <laughs> and then the service was done in ronda no ronda is the, an old town with a with a very oldest um Bullfighting Ring is in, the, in Spain, yeah. and uh, and it's a beautiful town, beautiful mm-hmm. town. So we went up there for a week to do the pictures with all the clothes and the hairdressers and makeup artists and all these people that, you know, when, when you do a session like that, it's uh, there's a big display of people that come. You know, they they don't save money on that. Vogue spends a lot of money and getting these things right, but they also get a lot of – they're invited everywhere. You know, all the hotels are mentioned and – The airline was probably mentioned as well at some point or something. And so that's all. They they get it for free. But anyway, Susan Train came over with Henry Clark, who at that time, I didn't know anybody, of course. Just a fresh uh, experience for me. And Henry Clark was the top photographer at the time, traveling all over the world, taking the best photographs of the best models. And and I remember at one point, uh, Susan Train was was talking to me and she said, well, have you thought about what you'd like to do later, Susie, with your life? And I said, well, not really, but I might like to model. (laughs) So she turned around, Henry, Susie wants to become a model. (laughs) And so Henry started taking a lot more pictures of me because, of course, I didn't notice, but he was taking photographs of every instant you know, of, of the session, the photographic session. And so it was amazing because uh, afterwards he took the, the photos he'd taken and he you know, showed them to Francine Cresson, who was the editor of French Vogue at that time. And so immediately
0: my life took off, you see, not only American Vogue, with my name that's the bizarre thing that your name wasn't it right no it wasn't bizarre
1: because when they did photographs of society people but I wasn't really a society person you know what I mean I was just a beautiful girl that was all you know nobody's going to know who Susie Dyson was at the time but they certainly picked up on the name and they remembered it I was getting famous every time my name came out in a magazine I was becoming more famous because that's the way things were, you know, not only did I start coming out in the fashion pages with these, all these different looks, because afterwards, French Vogue caught on. And while I was studying at the Cordon Bleu, I was flying off to Paris to model for French Vogue at the weekends. <laughs> I think I mentioned that on the first podcast.
0: With Henry on that first shoot that you told the editor, Susan Train, about it, that you were thinking about becoming a model, their reactions were positive, as you have mentioned, right? I mean, like, she's already here posing for Vogue. <laughs> she obviously can make it as a model. Yeah, but it was amazing
1: because it really did take off, you know. It take, it took off. And um, the, the thing is that the, the sessions I did in Paris, for instance, they were completely different. One was completely different to another one, and the other one was completely different to another. But my name was coming out in the magazine as well, you see. And so like for months on end, because you only get one issue a month. It doesn't come out every week. It comes out once a month. Yeah. And so once a month, I was flying out every weekend almost to Paris while I was cooking at the Cordon School, the Wingfield in, in Windsor, no? And, uh, you know, the, the magazines were coming out one after another with my name in them. I was becoming more and more famous. The, in fact, when I started modeling in Paris, nobody could believe it because you climb up to the top, which is vogue. <laughs> I started at the top and worked my way down. That's but that
0: fine. crazy part. But not,
1: yeah, but in fact, not, not my way down because, you know, you start at the top and then because I was sort of – Famous. It was interesting because um, in Paris, well, that was after my my Cordon Bleu stuff and everything. In fact, there's a whole route of things that happened between the session in Ronda and actually getting to live in Paris, which is a great story as well. Because after I finished my Cordon Bleu cooking course at Constance Spry, who used to do all the banquets for the Queen, of course, and so Constance Spry you know, uh, students were immediately snapped up by the top people. If you wanted to cook, you wouldn't hesitate in in booking somebody like us coming out of that school, you see. So when I was in, in the cookery school, we were finishing the Cordon Bleu. My friend, Cherry, she had a good contact of a petrol company and they invited us to the Hotel Savoy, Savoy in London, which is the most expensive and, and luxurious hotel, for tea to talk about uh, the possibility of going to cook for them in one of the, the top places, because that's what it, it was often done. You know, big companies would rent a house in Mistad or St. Moritz, and I slipped in. How about closest Because closest is, is you know. A very famous place where people go. I have no idea, of course, but I heard about closest from Peter Viertel. <laughs> because Peter Viertel and Deborah had a house in Closest and they told me about it, you see. And so when they mentioned where they might rent a house, I said, you know, put closest on your list and, and think about it carefully because you know I think you'll be you'll be surprised that it's a great location to go and, and ski at. And you know, funny enough, that is where Prince Charles used to go. And the Palmer Tompkinsons used to go, and Diana did not go, <laughs> mm. as, we're, as we're seeing the stories about the Queen. And, and that is where he, his romance must have started with uh,
0: Camilla Parker-Boltz,
1: Parker, because she was married to Palmer Tomkinson. And my friend Cherry used to always go and meet up with the British They used to come. And I started meeting all the local people. Also, the local people, the people who had houses or apartments and things in cloisters that were extremely famous as well. You know, all kinds of famous people used to slip into cloisters to ski. But it wasn't really yet on the international map, you see. Yeah, it was like it, very private, yeah. right? It was very, very exclusive, very exclusive, yeah. Uh, and sort of nobody knew about it yet. But... Then I was discovered because when i was I was skiing, I, I met a uh, a guy in closest during my moments off when I could go skiing. you know It was quite funny because I used to go and learn to ski while she would go off and ski because she knew how to ski, my friend Cherry. And I would just learn to ski and learn to ski and ski. And then when I first went up the mountain to do my first run, I bumped into Irwin Shaw and his girlfriend. And I said, "Oh, hi, Erwin, How are you? I, this is my first run, so I'm going to just I'm going to nip down here and, and see what I can do." Oh, he said, "No, no, no. Come with us. It's an easy run. It's a very easy run. Come with us." And and so I said, "Oh, okay, but this is my first run, so be careful. You know, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing yet." And it was a fifteen kilometer run all the way down to Kubli <laughs> <laughs> and you survived. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I survived. I made it in one piece. So, of course, he, he he's, I always swore that I was a very good skier, you know. <laughs> I was just
0: lucky. So, being there, you were just like on the cordon the, and skiing, right? It was more like a social thing.
1: No, it wasn't a social thing. It was basically just cooking. And the thing is that I met all these people and I got on with them, you see. Because yeah. it was also... Uh, there was, it was funny because uh, in the village there was one boutique that was exquisite. It had the most fantastic clothes because the girl who owned it was a woman called Barbara, and she uh, put the boutique in closers because she, you know, she bought these amazing clothes all over the place in, in Europe, and she would sell them in closters at a high price, of course. I mean, I remember at one point she even had a, a bear coat, you know, because he used to wear furs at that time. Yeah. And she had a coat made of bare wool, well, she had bare fur. It was amazing, all down to the floor. It was rather extraordinary, actually. And anyway, there is where on one of, the, on one of these trips uh, I met uh, Fred Chandon and his girlfriend at the time, who's a countess as well, and she worked for Women's Wear Daily. Now, Woman's Wear Daily was a daily fashion newspaper that used to come out and was read by all the, the um, fashion people all over the place. Now, in Paris, in Milan, in New York, in the States, everywhere, everywhere anybody who was producing fashion was buying Woman's Wear Daily and reading it. Anyway, she wrote a tiny little note, like, a, like an ad, you know, one of these tiny little ads, with three lines saying, the cooking model, Susie Dyson, and John Fairchild picked up that story. And he said to her, what's this thing you've written You know about this cooking model? And so she told him. And so he said to her, well, I want you to go back to Closters and cover her. And it was amazing because she did. Yeah, she had to plan the trip, come back, you know, and, and cover me. And who did I know? Where did I go? What did I eat practically? It was everything. And so it, it was like your first yeah, interview. It was like, yeah, well, yeah, they're definitely my first interview. Definitely. I'd never had an interview before in my life. I didn't even realize it was an interview. She just, they just <laughs> followed me around. <laughs> they just followed me around and asked questions, you know, all the time. And, of course, I was wearing, because Barbara had this amazing boutique, and she just brought in these hot pants and boots that were laced up right up to the knee. And so I, there was I walking around in hot pants with, with these laced-up boots and things and, you know, a scarf on my hair like they were in India and stuff like that. And so I looked extremely modern, you know. All my outfits were, were rather outrageous, actually. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, because I also used to ski in lotar. Lotar was a, a designer that used to sell his quilted stuff in Central tropez And... Uh, I picked up one of these outfits, and I used to ski in it because it looked good for skiing, but it used to it wasn't a skiing outfit, because if you fell in the snow, you'd get snow stuck to your clothes, you know? Because
0: yeah. It was, like go to get it wet.
1: <laughs> it was cotton. It was just cotton. Padded cotton. Very modern it was extremely modern, so it looked great, so I put it on, just mostly for the photos actually, because it you know, wasn't practical to wear. Yeah.
0: So, would you say that your personal look or style also helped? As you are telling your story, I can picture you as an the synonym of being an it girl at the time. Oh yeah, sure. Because listen, we also used to. I had a friend who was the daughter of a a
1: a comic designer, Mm -hmm. uh, and who who also used to ski with me, and we would both wear jeans, you know, like bell-bottom jeans. With a with a bomber jacket. The bomber jacket was just a, uh, it was a jacket made of leather, in fact, that they used to, the airplane yeah. pilots used to wear yeah, yeah. those, that jacket. We'd, we'd ski in that. So that was outrageous. Nobody skied in jeans at that time, you see. It was a new look, so <laughs> we didn't mind, you know, we didn't mind even falling around all over the place and standing up again and went on skiing with our jeans, you know. Didn't you guys freeze? <laughs> No, well, not there's no time to freeze because you're, you're whizzing down the mountain so fast, it doesn't matter. You dry off. <laughs> we didn't fall that much anyway. I used to ski with people, people who were much better than me. It's the only way you really learn is by skiing with top, top-notch top people. They show you how to ski. I used to ski with one of the skiing champions of Switzerland, Olympic champions of Switzerland, Roby Reich. And he used to take me skiing. And he would show me how to ski. Two, I mean, I would just follow, you know. Well, I had an ability, obviously. I could ski I could ski easily. You no. Know? Not some people have difficulty, but I didn't. I had a, a wonderful time. Woof, my goodness. We'd go off piste and he'd show me how to do it, you know. He wouldn't go off piste somewhere difficult. He would obviously take me off piste and somewhere that was fairly simple. But it was a great, great, uh, great fun. I, I mean I had so much fun skiing in, in closest, I can't tell you.
0: So after that shoot for American Vogue and that interview for Women's Wear Daily, in the meantime, was there like another shoot or another project or what came after that?
1: Well, right after that came the shoots for French Vogue when I was in boarding school, because, you see, after that, I started boarding school. I hadn't started boarding school yet. I was only 16 and I started after those, that summer vacation, because it was obviously summer, I was in a bathing bikini and stuff like that. I mean, my it gets cold in winter too. And this was obviously middle summer, middle of summer. And then after that, we started the boarding school. The year starts in summer and then you have a small break for Christmas and then you come back and finish the year you know, until the next summer. Because it's in summer that people go away at school and everything. They all go away for a whole month. Whereas at Christmas, you only get 15 days.
0: Yeah. The whole yeah. year is a lot different than in Peru. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to talk a bit more about who this contest was, uh, mm-hmm. because I think that her story, it's not like uh, like a book editor like saw you and that was it. No, she was like a character, right? Oof, yeah. Um, she, can you she tell
1: us more about her? I discovered later, of course. But I did... At the time, she must have given it to me, I guess. She gave me a book that was called The Spy War Red, and there was a picture of her on the cover. I thought, oh, look, that's interesting. I didn't think twice about it. You know, I just, uh, and then a long time later, I sort of picked up the book and read it. And I thought, oh, my goodness. (laughs) She was a spy. She had been a spy. She had been, she was born in America and in, in New Jersey, which is over the way from New York, you know, and her brothers went to the war and she decided she wanted to go to the war as well, but she couldn't. And so in the end she ended up modeling because she was very good looking. She ended up modeling in, in New York and, um, you know, she would go out in the evenings and to to certain parties and things. And and in one of those parties um, she was talking to a, to an interesting person who actually turned out to be – the father of a very good friend of mine, a man called Frank Ryan. And Frank Ryan was talking to her and saying, oh, you must be happy doing your modeling and stuff. And and she said, no, I'm not. I want to go to the war. And he said, really? You really want to go to the war? Yeah. I want to go to the war. And so he said, okay, well, write down this name because this person will contact you tomorrow. Remember his name. He will contact you tomorrow. And he did. And she became a spy. It's an amazing story, actually. Yeah. and She she then then went off to the war in Spain, she was sent off as a spy to spy on the, the things that the Germans were doing and you know, the Nazis were doing in Spain because she spoke perfect. She spoke Spanish and she spoke perfect English. But she, you know, she spoke with an American accent and she didn't speak Spanish with perfect uh, Spanish accent either. So sometimes she had to get somebody else to say things for her and stuff like that, You know, which is a common thing if you don't speak the language perfectly. But anyway, she, she became a, a very... Good spy working in Madrid for not only uh, America but for Great Britain, who was under siege. They were the ones who needed her work more. Very interesting, very interesting story. In fact, uh, then in Madrid, started meeting all kinds of people because she would go to the most elegant evenings and stuff. Uh, But she was very careful about not getting involved with anybody because because of her her job. You know, her job was to be a spy, so you can't get involved with people if you're a spy. But in one of these things she met was very, very um, attractive and charming and, and uh, exciting uh, count, you know, Romanones. And he started some fine-tuning there. <laughs> he would call her <laughs> up again and again and try to, to conquer her, you know, but she was pretty, pretty cool about the whole thing because she didn't want to get involved until she finally fell into his, you know, his net. <laughs> <laughs> but but he she didn't know anything about him she had no idea who he was really but she liked him too and uh, and then finally uh, yeah then she found out who he was and he was actually one of the most important people connected to the royal family in spain because it's not often that that they can trust somebody so much as as him you know? he was the most trusted Friend and I think he he did arrange a lot of things for them, you see. So it was it was a, a, an interesting encounter. And when after she met him, and decided that she was going to go that way. She told him that she was a spy.
0: <laughs> I didn't believe her. That's so crazy. Yeah, yeah. A, bo- a book yeah. her being a spy for the war. <laughs> and, okay. the war yeah.
1: <laughs> and she wrote t- three books about this story. I think, I think, think four. Four of it. Huh? It was firewall red, there's firewall silk. I don't know what else. I don't know. Okay. But uh, yeah, she obviously enjoyed her story. And they had the most. I remember going to the most amazing farm that they have. It's called Pasqualete. Ah, oh, what a beautiful place! Why? And she had the most incredible taste. Of course, her house was everything was white in Marbella, but in 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 Madrid, she had the most amazing house, I and mean, Pasqualete was wow. Uh, the decoration was extraordinary. Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, interesting for me to look at, you know, because it's through the eyes that you you develop a, your own flair for things, no?
0: Yeah, what I, what I uh, Googled about her, it was like how she became so into the spanish culture besides being american she didn't look like she was wearing a costume she just looked like it was like all natural she yeah
1: well she had she had a very spanish look about her and she always yeah. wore a, a chignon you know which is very uh a spanish thing. look no she and she was determined to to mingle in nicely because obviously all the people that she knew were the top of she was a very good friend for instance of wallace wallace simpson was a very good friend of eileen's actually they were very good friends in fact when wallace died she left a couple of jewels for her friend eileen it's a fact you know and um they were very close even though that now one discovers that uh, that wallace was not a happy woman with with um that they've discovered all the letters that she left behind she certainly you know Moved around in the right circles, obviously. And one of the best people f- for her to be close to was definitely Eileen, because they were both from America and they both uh, understood each other pretty well, I imagine. You know? I imagine that Eileen that must have been a confidant of hers. Because yeah. Because it's, it's quite nice to have somebody that you can really, really trust you know, and say the truth to. She would never let out anything.
0: Of yeah, in that position.
1: After Closer's, then I, I had already met Fred. And yeah. in Closer's, while in closest, the reason why she put, makes that article is because I'd already been called up by French Vogue to go on a big job in Indonesia. Okay. With a photographer, Maurice Hogan Boom. Okay. Who'd also made a proposal like, like Eileen, you know. He went to Vogue and proposed to them. You know, I'm, a, I'm Dutch and I have a good connections in, in Indonesia. And I'd like to go to Indonesia and I can I can arrange the whole thing. And so he did. And we went to Indonesia, on, you know, on his – he organized everything. I right? just went along. But they, they <laughs> sent me – it was amazing, actually because they sent me – and they didn't send a makeup artist. They didn't send a hair person. They put a few wigs in the bag. They put all the clothes in. I had to fiddle around with everything. I had no idea. I mean, I, mean, I was only 17, for God's sake. <laughs> I wasn't an editor. They didn't even send an editor.
0: It was you and the clothes and the photographer.
1: It was just me and the photographer and Maurice I mean, the photographer was Maurice hogan He was a very good photographer. But still, he was a very good friend of Yves Saint Laurent. That's
0: going, another story. And we're going to start to close this episode by thanking everyone who's listening right now to us and who are subscribing to our site. And also, we're going to publish these images of your first fashion shoots on the Instagram page. If someone wants to know more about them, you can comment and ask more about it. Susie will tell us all about it. <laughs> Thanks, Susie, again. And until next time.
1: Okay, Ursula, that was great. That was I love the interaction that we have.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Thanks to you. Bye-bye. Thank you. You too. Take care.